We're going to be turning to the book of Acts, chapter 17. So here's my question. How many of you are upset? Oh, there's some upset. Okay. I'm here to let you know my message is to upset you today, all right? So I'm here to upset you, all right? Turn smile. He's going to upset us, all right? But you look in Acts chapter 17, we're going to start at verse 1 and go through 9. It's a story of Paul and Silas. And they have come to Thessalonica, where there is a synagogue for the Jews. Then Paul, as was his custom, went to them. And for three Sabbaths, he reasoned with them from the scripture, explaining and demonstrating that Christ had to suffer and had to rise again from the dead, and saying, Jesus, who I'm preached to you, is the Christ. He's the one that you have been waiting for. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of devoted Jews, and not only a few leading women joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews who were not persuaded became envious. So they took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering them in a mob, set out to the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to this mob to the people. But when they did not find them, Paul and Silas, who they're looking for, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, Those who have turned the world upside down have come here too, said crying out. So I had to make sure we emphasize that, all right? Jason had harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying, there's another king. His name is Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So we're going to go back, and I want to focus on verse 6 today. But I wanted you to have the context of the story. It says, but when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. I want us to focus on the word here. Here. They have come here too. So I'm going to need your help a little bit. So this is where we get involved in some of the things. And so I want you to take your hand, raise it up like this with your index finger out. Okay, even you online, I want you to do this, all right? So you got your index finger right here, and I want you to go here, like that. See that? Okay. I want you to really say it loud when you say it, okay? So get, maybe you want to get a little sassy with your, with your here, you know, and just go here, right? Ready? Here. Okay, that was, that was good, but I, I want to mess up the children's department, all right? So I want them to hear us this time, all right? So I really want you to be loud, all right? Loud. Ready? Here. Yeah, that should have done it. All right. Here, we upset the world. Here, we upset the world. Here, we upset the world. That's what I want to talk to you about today. So let's pray. God, upset us. Amen. 
It's a good prayer. It'll mess with you, I guarantee you. Jesus has bled out. He has died for our sins. They've taken the body and they've put it in a tomb. And God has raised that, that carcass back to life. Jesus has walked around and over 500 people have seen him. Now, when we talk about Jesus, that's usually the most you're going to get out of the story. Some want to stay in baby Jesus. Some want to add the cross, the end of the cross. Some add the resurrection of Jesus. But that's about the most that they ever talk about. There is so much more to Jesus. Because I want you to know, you know what happened after that? He ascended. I want you to get this picture. Jesus steps on a cloud. And goes up to heaven. We don't talk about that. I mean, he's raised back to dead. He's walked around. He's messed and upset everyone pretty much. And then he steps on a cloud and he's up in heaven. Still upsetting us, still working in our life, still powerful, giving us authority, doing so many incredible things. I want you to remind that God. God has so much more than just the cross, and that is huge and enough to upset us, but he has more for us. As we're reading this, I want you to realize we're reading Acts. Now, the proper name, the way that you'd really say this, this is the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. This is what the Holy Spirit does in ordinary men and women when they let him. How he just takes... Ordinary people, now smile and, and turn to somebody and shake your head. Just smile, shake your head, look at the person next to you and say, yeah, you're ordinary, all right? Just, yeah, you're ordinary, all right? Yeah. So the Holy Spirit can upset you and can work through you to upset others. And that's, that's what you need to understand. So I need two volunteers. Who will be my volunteers? Come up here, Joe. Come up here. Come on. Come up here real quick. I've got something I want you to do. When you listen to the Holy Spirit and you do what he says, you can do incredible things. Come on over here. Get on camera. You know, that's all right. All right. So here's what I want you to do. I want you, um, you know who you're going to do? Mm -hmm. Over there? Okay. And you know, the one back there in the wheelchair. Yep. Go do it. Go, go do your job. They're going to go do something, okay? See, when ordinary men and women... Listen to the Holy Spirit. Incredible things can happen. All right? So, so what happened back there? Right here. Yeah, well, hold it up. What, what happened? You got 20 bucks. Woohoo! All right. Tiffany. Yes, she's upset. Woo! 50 bucks. 50 bucks for Tiffany. Woo! That's what I like to hear. Someone is excited and upset and ready to get passionate. Yeah. So, when you listen to the Holy Spirit, incredible things can happen. All right? Problem is, it's going to upset you in a good way or a bad way, depending on you and your response. But we can see what God can do when we volunteer and do as he asks. 
about that. Paul and Silas are, are talking about Jesus every day in the temple. People get upset. These men that have come here are upsetting people from all over the world. They're messing things up. They're causing problems. And people get upset when they hear the message. Now, I want you to know this isn't literal time. It hasn't gone to all the world yet. It's happened in Jerusalem. It's happened in Judea. It's gotten into Samaria. It's gone to the outskirts city just past Samaria. But that's as far as it's gone right now. I think it's kind of prophetic that this crowd is saying, they've upset the world! Because that's what's going to happen. That is what's going to happen. Because when you share Christ, it spreads. It spreads from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to Anaheim Hills to Marietta to Nyland to Mexicali up to Lodi online. We had a whole bunch last service that said, I want to ask Jesus into my heart, me. And they typed it into the chat. Upsets the world. That's what happens. Then this, this mob, they go to the house of Jason. Now, I, I like to point out a few things. I, I, you know, this is really not with the message. I just thought I'd point it out. Jason, I don't know if you've ever read through the Bible, but there's a lot of weird names in the Bible. Gomer. Uh, who wants to be called Gomer, you know? Uh, Methuselah. I mean, uh, there, there's another name that you have to write. You know, uh, Abimelech. I mean, you know, the, the names that they have. Sometimes you just guess at them, you know, because it's just, I don't even know what this is. When you come across Jason, you go, this is all right. Jason. Jason, all right? They have come to upset. Upset the world. You know what your mandate is as a Christian, as a follower of the Lord? It's to upset the world. That's a military mission, command. You're to upset the world. Now, I don't mean just because you're just arrogant and just kind of a jerk. I mean, that's a different thing, all right? But to share the message, the good news, it's not your job to determine whether that, that's going to bother someone. Well, they'll be all upset. or You don't know what's going to happen with the Holy Spirit. But in one way or another, the message will upset with hope, with love, with grace. Upset means to overturn, to destroy the power of, to defeat, to put out of order, to overcome an opponent considered more vulnerable when you talk about war, politics, and sports. See, you and I believe upset means I get you mad. And that's not what he's saying here. But each believer, when you come to Jesus Christ and you ask him into your life, you know what happens to you? Your life is upset. What you had kind of planned out and then God just upsets your life and says, no, it's about something different. Well, I was planning to go to this school last night. I was planning to take this job. I was planning to get married and such and such. You know, I'm here to upset all your plans. 
When you encounter God in a profound way, it upsets you. It undoes you. And that's what we're talking about. These men have turned the world upside down. And for this message to work, the very first step in that journey is I need to be upset. So turn your notes, go on inside. There's three things we must have to upset the world. All right? One, you must be upset first. I have to be upset first. God's got to come and upset me. So I'm going to kind of give you some stories. I'll give you the scripture references so you can go home. You can read through them in more detail. But I have several stories. I'm going to tell you the stories. In kind of, what we have is Saul. He's persecuting the church. He's doing it intensely. He is going door to door, knocking, looking for Christians, hauling them out, having them imprisoned, having them killed. I mean, he is, he is just seeking them out. He's on a journey to another city because he's kind of done a lot already in a city. He can't seem to find him. He's heard of another group. He's on that way. And he has an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus flat knocks him off his horse. He says, you think you're fighting against them? I'm here to upset you in your religious nature. You're used to following rules, and you think that there's some rule breakers here, and you're going to round up some rule breakers and kind of take care of business. You're real religious, but you don't even know who you're talking about. You're fighting against me. His life is upset. He is blinded, knocked off his horse. He's heard this voice and seen this. He is totally, my entire life, all I have focused on since I was a little boy is wrong. And he's totally messed up because Jesus loves to upset the spirit of religion. Legal, rules, I can make it, I'm good enough. All of that's kind of a spirit of religion, you know? A lot of people that are angering people and giving the wrong impression, they have a spirit of religion. They don't have a relationship. They don't have a knowledge of Scripture. Get these rules right and maybe God will love you. (laughs) That's not Scripture. Saul, who's been so angry with these followers and and, and that has been changed around. And he doesn't eat for days. And he finally, Ananias comes and and prays for him and instantly he is healed. His life has been turned upside down. And you know what he does? It says in the next thing, and immediately... He went out and began to preach Jesus as the Messiah. He didn't take 24 hours to catch up on his eating. He didn't take a Bible course to know how to share the Lord. Didn't go off to college. So he got all the information he needed so he could share Christ. Immediately. Let's go to the temple right now. Let's go. 
That day, he was there sharing about Christ. And so many of us are afraid to mention Christ. What's one thing they tell you? You don't talk about politics and you don't talk about religion, right? Wrong. Don't be a jerk when you do it. Okay, there's the difference, all right? But you do. Because you're called to upset some people. Paul's been upset. And now he's off talking to some others, and they're upsetting. And here's the point. 95% of Christians have never shared Christ. You're feeling guilty about it. You wish you had. You want to. But there's fear. And the reason there's fear is you've never let the Holy Spirit say, here's two people. Why don't you start praying for them? Let's see if the Holy Spirit will use you as an ordinary person to see a miracle happen. In the first service, we had several people type in the chat, me, I prayed that prayer. We're sharing the message. When you step through fear, and then the other reason is is because you never realize you have a story. Do you realize you have a story? Take your finger and point somebody. You have a story. You have a story. Problem is you, you don't know how to begin, where to start. What to, you should just take some time and write it out. And in two or three minutes, you share your story. You know what? This is proven over and over. People love a story. If you start with the Bible, the Bible says this, says they go, I don't believe the Bible. They'll let, but if you start with your story, they'll want to hear it. How many times have I started a story in my life, not finished it, and then you go, well, Randy, Randy, how does the story end? Did you die that day? No, I, I didn't die that day. You know, God, God. But you want to know the end of the story. So we need to learn our story, and we're going to be emailing that to everyone on how to just go through and walk through. And very simply, you can, just by answering a few questions, you'll have your story. So you can share your story. No one's going to argue or be upset about your story because it's what personally happened to you. And they're going to listen. And just maybe the Holy Spirit will upset their life. So the next story is found in Luke 5, 1 through 11. Not all Jesus loved to upset the religious, but he loves to upset the independent. How many here are independent? You like to, yeah, come on, be honest. You're independent. You like to do your own thing. You know, and here's what happens, especially businessmen and other people. You, you've run your business for a while. You get a little confidence. You know, I know how to do this, you know. We don't really ask God because I've done this day in and day. I know what to do. And Jesus says, well, you really don't. Well, you don't have much training you have. You don't have many years of it. You don't have big success. You, know, you don't have many times I've been voted a top salesman. You have no idea. He says, yeah, but you really don't know what you're doing yet. So that's why you need to talk to me because I'll, I'll tell you some things you, you didn't expect. But often we're going to be independent. We're going to pick our school. We're going to pick our marriage. We're going to pick everything in our life independent of God. 
And what we have right here is we have this story of Jesus, and it is involving Peter, and Peter's been washing his nets on the shore. He's had a hard night, caught nothing, been a bust. Jesus comes, hey, can I borrow your boat? going to preach to these people here. You know, I just, this would be real great. It'll just kind of amplify off the water. Sure, you can borrow my boat. We're cleaning our nets anyway. Go ahead. Push it off. He listens, and the oh, rabbi's all right. He's, he's pretty good, you know. Then afterwards, Jesus gets out and says, okay, let's go fishing. <laughs> Jesus, you're a good rabbi. You know, you know how to do the scriptures. I've got to tell you that, you know, but I don't think you're a fisherman. <laughs> that, that, it's daytime. You never fish in the daytime. You always fish at night because the fish will see the nets coming down through the water. You, you want to have it dark. You want to see the nets going around them. That's why, and at nighttime, the fish come in close to the shore where it's easy to snag them. When they're out in the deep, they can be down another 15 feet and our, our nets don't go that far. So, you know, that, that's, that's cute, Jesus. I'm glad that you'd like to, you know, kind of go fishing with us, but you really don't know. Let's go out, guys. I, I want, we're going to go out in the deep water. The deep water? Okay, all right, Jesus, you're, you're, you're the rabbi, you know, we want to make you happy, that's okay. All right, guys, we already cleaned our nets, I know we've got to fold them, undo them again, but let's just push out, because, you know, he'll learn real quickly, there's a little bit more to fishing, all right? He's a good rabbi, but fishing, I'm not sure he's got that one. And they go out into the water, they throw out into the deep, and down underneath, Fish are watching the nets. And Nemo turns and goes to his friends, calls them out of school. Come on, guys. You got to follow me. Come on. Stay with me. Calls them out of school. They come with him. He goes, and they jump into the nets. They fill up the nets so much, they're tearing the nets, they're sinking the boat. They have to call other fishermen, they're all coming off the shore, everyone is there, eventually all of them are out there, they're all, their boats are full, their nets are full, they're having to let them go. And Peter, upset. Such grace, such abundance, such love, such power, such authority. Jesus, I've never experienced this before. And he's undone. He's upset. You're the real deal, aren't you? James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were surprised also. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for men. They left everything and followed Jesus. But here's my question. What would happen in your life if in that spot, if in that place where you're not trusting him, 
in that place where it's kind of upsetting you and kind of bugging you, what if you trusted God with that? What if in that where, if I were to ask you a question, you carry, no, no, this is the way it is, and, you know, instead of pushing back, say, God, is, is this you? What could happen if you gave him and trusted him with that area? You stop being so independent. Cross the page. So the first thing that's got to happen for me to upset the world, I have to be upset. Second thing that happens is I get used to upsetting others. I get used to upsetting people. I, I'm not afraid of it. I'm not worried about it. I, I realize that I'm going to upset people. Acts 10 38. You know, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. See, we love to talk about the power of Jesus, the authority casting out demons, the miracles. When you're in a church and you're a Pentecostal, it's like, you know, did you see the signs? Did you see the wonders? But in this sequence, in what started first, I want you to notice something. Jesus started out being nice. He started out being good. He just did some good things. Now, we've been waiting for Jesus for a long time. I mean, that, for, for him to come on the scene. I mean, you know, from Genesis on, we're waiting for, for him, and we're waiting for Eve to have a baby, and then finally we wait for all those years, and we start all over again with Noah, and then it continues on, and, and finally, you know, Mary, the virgin birth, you know, we, we finally get Jesus. We have the baby Jesus. Now we've got to wait for Jesus to grow up. Jesus finally grows up, and that finally happens. We get to the place, you know, where he's ready to take his his ministry and start that but you gotta go in the desert gotta wait another 40 days while he fights off the devil and like that all goes on he comes back so now are we ready jesus do we put up the tents do we say jesus is here we start the ministry he goes no i think i'm gonna go to my cousin's wedding what yeah i think it'd be a nice thing and it goes to to a wedding And there, and they run out of wine, and instead of being nice and filling a few bottles, they have these big barrels that when you came in, it was ritual to wash your hands. These big old barrels of water. He fills them with wine. And not only is it good, just wine, but it is great wine. The, the Toastmaster goes, this is the best wine we've ever had. And it's amazing. What happens? His first miracle is just doing something nice. Helping out. Because there'd be shame. It's like you didn't do your, the right things. You weren't honoring your community because you ran out of wine. There's a lot of things that would have happened. And he does something nice. So I'm going to share a couple stories. And as again, I'm going to paraphrase them. 
I'm going to start with Matthew 8. I want you to see the two different responses in these stories that occur to Jesus. Jesus has delivered two men from demons. These guys are, are terrorizing the town, terrorizing that little seaport. I mean, there's nothing but chaos uh, all night long, screaming and howling. This, this, all this drama is, is occurring on. And Jesus casts the demons, because there's a bunch of them, casts the demons out of them. And they go into the pigs. And the pigs run down the hill and they drown themselves. The town is upset. And they come out and they go, man, it's so good that you got, took care of those guys. I couldn't believe these guys have been crazy and off the hook and dangerous. And it's, it's been a nightmare. Thank you. Now, could you get the heck out of town? Their response is, Get lost, Jesus. We like our bacon. And we don't marinate them in the sea. All right? That's just been a waste. Things are messed up now. Even though he's done something good, Jesus, would you leave us alone? See, some people don't want to be upset. Think about it. Some people don't like to be upset. Now you think about it. Are you willing to be upset? Because we don't like to be upset, even when God has done something amazing in our life. I don't want my life turned upside down. I don't want things to be different. I don't want to be inconvenienced. Now we come to the second story, John 4, 1 through 30. Jesus has met the Samaritan woman. So what's happened is Jesus is on the way to this other city, and he's walked through this road to go through Samaria. Jews don't do that. They walk all the way around, so they even touch the Samaritan dirt. All right? But he's walked through. He's found the Samaritan woman. He's talking to her at the well, so this is very abnormal. And they're talking about water, and things are going along pretty well. Jesus said to her, Whatever, whoever drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give will never be thirsty again. The water I give them will become in him a life, a well of life that lasts forever. And she goes, Oh, right, you're the Culligan man. You're the arrowhead man. You're, you're going to bring water. You're going to put indoor plumbing and I'm have water. I don't have to come down the well anymore. This is great. This is amazing. Now, I don't know if you've, in reading stories, you recognize some things. Sometimes you read right through. But Jesus has no problem just sharing the truth. And when he shares the truth, it's like he just like wrecks you. So here they're having a nice conversation about water. And he goes, why don't you go get your husband? You had to go there. I got relational problems. I got issues going on. You had to go from water to there. <laughs> what the heck, Jesus? Uh, I, I, I don't have a husband. Oh, that's true. You have five. You didn't. You didn't just go there. You went all the way there. 
And she's amazed by his insight. And so she runs into town. She gets everyone to come out to see this man who told things about her that they, they, he shouldn't have known. You need to come hear this man. And the whole town comes out. And do you know what their response is? Jesus, could you stay a couple days? Man, you're, what you're saying is we've not heard before. It, it's kinda, we're trying to process it. We want to get this. We want to receive what you're saying. This is messing with us. Would you stick around? Two separate responses. Jesus, leave, and Jesus, could you stay here with me? Some will welcome being upset. Some won't. It's not for you to decide. It's not for me to decide whether this is going to upset them and how the response is supposed to be. We're called just to upset. Let me share you my story. Let me share you the good news. I had this opportunity to bless this person. I, I really kind of felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me to do something for them. And so I'd gone out and bought a bunch of special groceries and made these, bo these boxes like that. And, and I went and I, I dropped it off at their house. I knocked on the door because it was in a neighborhood where it could get sold. I wanted to make sure that they got the box and stuff like that. And they opened the door and I go, hey, I just felt like I should bring this to you. And he goes, we don't need that. Well, I, okay, that's all right. I just, I just kind of sensed like God was telling me to bring it. So I just, I brought some, no, I, I, I don't know why you're bringing it to us. We don't need that. And I'm going, really? We're going to argue about being blessed? I just want to bless you. We're going to argue about it? All right, we'll take it. Okay. I'm walking away and I go, you know, Jesus, it didn't go the way I expected it to go. It's nice when people go, oh, man, really? Oh, I, they didn't do that. It didn't turn out that way at all. It was like God just was sitting in his throne and he just kind of leaned over and he says, now you understand, don't you? That's the way I feel. I came and died on the cross, paid that sacrifice, not knowing you would choose me. I did it that you might. That you might. You let each person choose or decide. In the same way, we are to upset people's lives by doing good. Some will welcome it. Some will reject it. And then, once we've been upset, once we realize that we're to upset other people and they're going to be upset, we're to do the third thing. I'm to get others to upset people. I'm to find other people to join me in upsetting people. All right? It's my job. I get upset. I get used to being upset. And then I get others to upset too. Matthew 28, 16. In the Great Commission. 
Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mount where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. I want you to notice the next line. But some of them doubted. Jesus came and told the disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go, teaching them new disciples to obey all these commands I have given you. And be sure of this when you go. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I, I'm sure you've heard this, this phrase. Hurt people hurt people. Free people free people. Today you have a new one. Upset people upset people. Because that's our mandate. That's what we're called to do. Now, you can't help but upsetting people if you've been upset. I mean, it's like if you won the lottery. Yeah, I won $300 million. Yeah, it's my bank down. That's not the way you talk. There's a little bit of passion. And even after taxes, I still got some money left over. When you're upset by what Jesus has done in your life, your story is important to you. And you'll want to share it. 2 Timothy 2.2. What you have heard me say in front of many people, you must teach to faithful men and women. Then you'll be able to teach others also, it's a memory verse. It's what I want you to memorize. What you've heard from me, teach. The faithful men and women. Then, they will be able to teach others also. Why am I sharing this message today? Because I believe you're worthy people. You're worthy of this message, of hearing it, of receiving it. And even though it's kind of upset you a little bit, you're wanting to receive it. And I believe you can step through fear and let the Holy Spirit use you as an ordinary. Remember, it's not about you, it's about the Holy Spirit is an ordinary person to let him do amazing things through you. Let's watch this video story. Hey, my name is JD and this is my story. So I grew up in the church, actually in our church, Grace OC. Ever since I was a kid, I was attending, I was running around church. Uh, I was always here. Every Sunday, my parents would drag us to church, even if we didn't want to go. And I knew a lot about 
who God was. I knew the Bible stories. I knew about all the things that God had done. But I didn't really have that relationship, that connection with Jesus. And that really started to, to take head when, um, when I was in high school. And a lot of things started happening in my life. My life seemed like it was crumbling around me. The career path I was choosing uh, wasn't going to work out because I had got hurt and couldn't play baseball anymore. Uh, my life at home seemed to be shaky and, and everything was unsteady and crumbling around me. And I got really, really depressed and really I had suicidal thoughts and I really, I hated everything. I hated everyone and I was so, so angry. And in that darkness, in that lowest point, I doubted if God even exists because I never had that connection like everyone else did. I never had that moment in worship like everyone else had seen. I didn't have that story that everyone else seemed to have in church. And I doubted, was God even real? Because I've been at church my whole life and never had that experience with him. And then one point, when I was at my lowest, I went to a youth camp. I was forced to go to youth camp, actually, that our church was putting on. And I had this encounter during one of the worship uh, sets that they were playing, where I just conf I sensed that Jesus had come and sat right next to me. It was in that moment that, that he answered those questions of doubt that I had, and I began to start and cultivate that relationship with Jesus that I had been missing so much. In that moment, I prayed to God. I said, God, I believe without doubt that you are real. And, and Lord, I... I accept that I accept you and I accept that I am you know a sinner and I accept that that I don't want to be the way that I am anymore Lord and and I surrendered I said God I want to pursue you I want to pursue the calling you have for my life and I want to be changed and after I prayed that prayer there in the in the sanctuary at camp I went up to a leader that I had trusted and I told them about this decision that I had made I expressed to them that I had just accepted Jesus and I wanted to live my life for Jesus and they prayed over me and ever since that moment my life has been different after that, in the, in the weeks after that, I really got this sense, this comfort, knowing that God was real. And I couldn't doubt anymore if God was real because I had had that experience. And this peace, knowing that no matter what was going on in my life, the uncertainty, how unsteady everything was, and no matter where I was at, that God was going to protect me and that God was going to provide for me. And, and as I was getting growing closer and growing uh, more in my relationship with God, I began to sense this calling into the ministry and I got involved in the youth ministry and I started serving and, and helping out with services to, all the way to the point to where I am today where I'm leading the youth ministry and, and me and my wife are pastors and ever since that moment, that encounter I had with Jesus, my life has been forever changed. And the Lord has blessed me upon the way. There have been struggles, there have been bumps in the road, but at every time I've, I've turned to God and he has provided for me. He has proven the things that he said to me and spoke to me at that camp, that he would, he would take care of me, he would provide for me. He has proven those things to be true. And I've really come to understand in my life the life-changing power that a relationship with Jesus can have. And the question that I have for you watching is, is do you know that? Do you know the, the power that there is in a relationship with Jesus. Your story of what Christ has done to your life has power. Whether you've known him as a child or whether you came to him after a circumstance or situation, your story has power. Uh, my adopted brother, Michael, was abused rejected, and at five years old came to our house and he was full of anger because of things that had happened to him. And as a teenager, when he had his world upset by Jesus Christ, God helped him to unpack and to deal and to heal from so much stuff. And today, 
He's a CEO. He's a businessman. He's got seven factories around the world. His is the only one in his fa family that's not on welfare, that's not just kind of getting by, that's not struggling from brokenness. And he calls himself a pastor to each and every one of his factories around the world. What could happen in your life through you if you just shared your story? So the question I have for you today is this. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? Is he talking how maybe you need be upset? How there may be some independence? Some legalism that you need to let go of? Is he talking to you about your fear of what other people will say or the shame that they may try to put on you? Or just sharing your story and hindering you from doing one of two things Revelation says is important, the power of the blood and the testimony of the saints. That's you. And in this day and in this time, that story is needed more than ever. And are you going out for other people? What would happen if you came up with two names and started praying for them? Started believing that God could do something in their life? How could the Holy Spirit use you as an ordinary person to see such transformation? So I just want to ask you very simply today, number one, your relationship with God. Do you have a base? Is it solid? Or do you have nothing with God? To start a relationship, as amazing as it is, it's simply believing he's the son of God. It's admitting there's sin in my life and surrendering, switching to him being in charge and expressing it in a prayer and saying, God, <laughs> this is what I believe. And he comes in and begins to upset you. Maybe you've never shared Christ, and that upsets you. Don't feel guilty. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't be hindered by fear anymore. What if you gave that spot to God? Maybe there's another spot where you're not trusting him. What if you gave that spot to God? How could he overwhelm you? Overwhelm you with his blessings. Pray with me right now, whether you're here, whether you're online. Jesus, I truly believe you're the Son of God. You're all-powerful. You're almighty. Whether I'm not a Christian or have been a Christian, somewhere I may have failed to recognize you can deal with this. You can handle this. So, Lord, I admit in my life, I've been rebellious. I've been doubting. I've just haven't been there for you. And I want to accept your forgiveness, your grace, your power.
In fact, I want to accept your Holy Spirit to come at me in a new dimension and a new strength and a boldness. So I switch to you, God, being in charge. I'm by looking to you and talking to you and asking you questions and saying, hey, is this what you think I should do? Put you in charge. And this prayer is being said, I'm saying it in my mind, I'm saying it in my heart, I'm even be praying it out loud. Lord, I need you. This is my prayer. Well, Randy said, that's what I want. In your name, amen.